This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. I have one more paper. Um, it's not a neonatology paper, actually. It's more of an OB thing, but it's going to mm-hmm. matter for us. I was, I was um, pulled towards this paper based on a, an article in the New York Times. And the New York Times health section had an article uh, titled, A Blood Test Predicts Preeclampsia in Pregnant Women. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we should probably be aware of as neonatologists. The paper that they're referencing is called Circulating Angiogenic Factors Level in Hypertensive Disorders of Pregnancy. It's published in the New England Journal of Medicine, Evidence. Um, it's like almost like an off, it looks like an offshoot of the New England. And anyway, uh, first author is Ravi Tadani. Um, and, and I think it's important for us to know about this, especially, I think, because this is going to be something we're going to be discussing with our OB colleagues, especially around the time of prenatal consults. Um, everything about this paper is very interesting. The background mentions, obviously, that preeclampsia is a hypertensive disorder of pregnancy that affects approximately 5% of all pregnancies and remains one of the leading causes of maternal and neonatal morbidity and mortality in the United States. For those of you who haven't followed the news, obviously the recent uh, report of maternal mortality in the U.S. has been causing a lot of stir. It's way higher than it needs to be. And preeclampsia is obviously uh, an important uh, morbidity that uh, is at the could be uh, one of the multiple morbidities at the cause of this. Um, and they do mention that in the background, saying that the rates of hypertensive disease of pregnancy, uh, this hypertensive disorders of pregnancy in the U.S. have been increasing, and again, largely to a greater prevalence of chronic hypertension and other comorbidities. The goal of the study was to check whether the levels of soluble like tyrosine kinase 1 and uh, placental growth factor, PGF, could be helping stratified the short-term risk of developing preeclampsia with severe feature in women with hypertension hospitalized in late pregnancy. So this was a multi-center blinded prospective study in 18 centers in the U.S., some tertiary and some community hospital. They enrolled prospective mothers between the gestational ages of 23 to 35 weeks with hypertensive disease of pregnancy. Interestingly enough, I think something that we need to be aware of is that multiple gestations and women on heparin were excluded because of the potential effect on the uh, SLM form of tyrosine kinase level. So it seems like these specific cases might make this uh, ratio uh, not usable. And it's obviously something we deal with commonly. So something. And they're they're more likely to have preterm delivery. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. The primary outcome of the of the study was the development of preeclampsia with severe feature. Secondary outcomes included a lot of things, most interestingly, maternal and fetal slash neonatal adverse outcomes. So since we're doing board review as well, uh, on a separate podcast, the question is what constitutes preeclampsia with severe feature? And it's basically any one of the following. Severe hypertension, which is a systolic above 160 or diastolic above 110 on two occasions. Thrombocytopenia, play this less than 100, impaired liver function, persistent uh, severe right upper quadrant pain, uh, a progressive renal insufficiency or a creatinine that's rising above 1.1, pulmonary edema, new onset cerebral visual disturbance, or headaches. And any one of these following constitutes severe features. 
So the study uh, was conducted between 2019 and 2021. They had a total of 1,000 women. 299 were included in the derivation cohort and 715 in the validation cohort. So basically, they separated. They created a derivation cohort where they found out like what is the right number, what is the right cutoff for the test, and then they tried to validate that in the rest, in the 700 other women. Um, and they said that this, I'm not going to go into the details of the population, but it's broadly representative of the population of pregnant women with hypertension in the US. And I think that's important as well. So in the derivation cohort, 220 women were included. The incidence of severe uh, of preeclampsia with severe feature within two weeks was 31%. The median um, SFLT1 to PGF ratio deferred between women who developed severe preeclampsia within two weeks, which was about the level was about 200 with a range from 53 to 458 from those who did not. And there, uh, the, the, the mean was six with an entire quartile range ranging from three to 26. And so the author said that the SFLT1 to PGF ratio, and again, um, um, just for the sake of, of clarity, that is the soluble form like tyrosine kinase 1 over the placental growth factor. But I'm not going to say those out loud again. So the SFLT1 to PGF ratio of 40 or more provided prognostic performance estimated of 81% sensitivity and 81% specificity. At this cutoff, the positive predictive value was 66% and the negative predictive value was 90% for the primary outcome. Um, And then to make sure that this was correct, then they validated this um, cutoff in the cohort of 715 women. Um, So the incidence of preeclampsia with severe feature in that validation cohort was the same, 33.5%, close to the one in in the derivation cohort. And the median FLT1 to PGF ratio were consistently elevated in women who developed preeclampsia with severe feature, a finding evident in at all the different clinical sites. The women who developed preeclampsia with severe feature had an FLT1 to PGF ratio approximately 40 times higher than those who did not. Very impressive. The comparison here is 291 versus 7. Obviously, statistically significant. Based on these data, uh, the authors concluded that an FLT1 to PGF ratio of 40 or more when both SFLT1 and PGF are measured in picograms per milliliter provided a prognostic performance of 94% sensitivity, 75% specificity, yielded a positive predictive value of 65% and a negative predictive value of 96% for the primary outcome. Restricting the analysis to women with a history of chronic hypertension, the ratio of 40 or more yielded positive and negative predictive value of 59 and 94% respectively. A few more things, and I think that's what, uh, I guess I have a few more things. I'm not not ready to be done yet. The receiver operating characteristic curve analyses were used to compare the predictive performance of of the FLT1 to PGF ratio against standard of care assessment, such as like, when they measure the blood pressure, the liver function test, the platelet counts, and so on and so forth. And the AUC of the ratio itself was 92.92, whereas all the other measurements had an AUC of about 0.75. So it performed much better than any of the other measurements for preeclampsia with severe feature. They were 
288 adverse fetal and neonatal outcome, the SFLT1 to PGF ratio was 30 times higher in women with an adverse fetal and neonatal outcome compared with those without. The composite adverse fetal and neonatal outcome were more prevalent in the group with an SFLT1 to PGF ratio above 40 um, with the group with a ratio compared to the group with a ratio of less than 40. Um, they were nine fetal deaths, eight of which were in the group that had a ratio superior to 40. Um, a few, one more thing that I wanted to mention was that, and that's an important, that's probably one of the most important one for us is that women with an SFLT1 to PGF ratio superior to 40 were more likely to deliver within two weeks compared with women who had a ratio, uh, below 40. So the summary is that in this demographically diverse cohort of pregnant women with, with hypertension in the US, hospitalized between 23 and 35 weeks, the serum SFLT1 to PGF ratio of 40 um, predicted, or more, I guess, developed the development of preeclampsia with severe features, adverse outcomes, and delivery within two weeks of testing. The New York Times article is quite Good as well. We'll link it in the in the show notes. But quite a revolutionary uh, development in perinatology. Yeah, I think it's exciting. Even even more so for the babe for the dyads that it confirms preeclampsia. I think it's most exciting for babies that it could rule out preeclampsia and they get a little bit more time. You know? Yeah, and, and and most of our babies who are born due to preeclampsia are usually preeclampsia with severe feature. So this right. is like this is for a lot of our patients. And now it it doesn't. I mean, in the background, they do mention we still don't have a good treatment for this. Like sure. delivery of the fetus delivery is still the, is the treat treatment. Yeah, but but it's interesting to look at as OB is getting a better handle on preeclampsia. Mm -hmm. It's it's mm -hmm. it's we're going to be able to to know who's more at risk than another. Will that then lead to maybe new development in in management? And that, that'll be that'll be very interesting. So the future is exciting from that standpoint. Um, and I think you know what, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you have the board review books next to you, mm -hmm. but if you go in perinatology, I think Brodsky and Martin mentioned that ratio as like something that was being investigated. Really? Yeah, I think so. I have this you memory know I from have it right here. I know they're in the other room for me, <laughs> but. Um... While I look at this, I think we did just we did review it uh, earlier this year, and you did. Yeah, I mean, we have the benefit year, so. of reviewing it frequently, but it's still it's one of the things that I used to dismiss because I'm like, well, it's not oh, proven. We don't it's, do that. Yeah. it's not going to get asked on the test, so I'm not I'm not committing this to memory. But I think it was there, if I'm not mistaken. It'd be so hard to find. No, it's at the end of the preeclampsia section, yeah. I think. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Recent, recent investigations have found elevated ratio of soluble FLT1, yes, concentrations to placental growth factors associated with worse maternal and fetal outcomes. A low ratio between 24 to 37 weeks can predict absence of preeclampsia within one week. Thus, measurements may determine women at highest risk. Also possible that soluble FLT1 could be targeted as treatment for preeclampsia. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you heard it first. <laughs> I also think, you know, preeclampsia is still this thing that we don't understand, but mm -hmm. this is giving, I think, way more hints to the 
pathophysiology. Yeah, yeah they, they, they do go into, um, I didn't want to uh, extend the podcast too long, but they do get into that uh, uh, in the in the background section of the paper, um, mentioning that um, it has to do with vascularity basically right and and that and that we don't know much but we do know that this 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 is revolving around that so yeah thank you for listening to the incubator podcast if you like this episode please leave us a review on apple podcast or the apple podcast website you can find other episodes of the show on apple Podcasts, spotify google podcast or the podcast app of your choice we would love to hear from you, so feel free to send us questions, comments, or suggestions to our email address, nikupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Instagram or Twitter at NICUPodcast, or through our website at www.the-incubator.org. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.